Hello and welcome to the Fan Power Podcast, where we talk about fan engagement through the lens of first and zero party data. Today we are joined by EJ Johnston, the founder and CEO of Three Ice. EJ, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We've been following Three Ice for the last couple of years. Uh, I know you guys have made some tremendous strides. Last year was a really big one. Um, before we get too far into it, why don't you just give us a quick background? Tell us about tell us about the league, kind of where it came from, and and where you guys are now. Yeah, I kind of sort of speak in, in Hollywood speak. The origin story uh, of Three Ice was um, two uh, training camps, two rookie camps, the New Jersey Devils and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I was sitting there with uh, the Penguins, Billy Guerin and Jimmy Rutherford, the assistant GM and the GM at the time. My father um, was there, Craig Patrick, most of the scouting staff. And I watched them finish their three ice, excuse me, their rookie camps with these three on three tournaments. And I said, holy cow, this is incredible. You have one year under your belt of the NHL's overtime session. And I'm in their practice facility and I'm watching the crowd react to these unknown guys try to work their way onto uh, the training camp for the big club. And I'm picking up Billy Guerin and Jimmy Rutherford specifically. And I'm like, you know, what are you looking for? And the adjectives just leapt off the page, creativity, risk-taking hands, hockey, IQ, speed, quickness, creativity, all these great, great words. And I'm listening and I'm watching and the background is running the NHL overtime session and rugby sevens and big three basketball and formula E. And if you're not a cricket fan, you might not know the Indian premier league, but all these other snackable leagues just doing really well. And it just hit me. This is the best part of hockey. There is something special here. It always starts with product. And I just said, this is exceptional. And I'm watching and I know how I felt about three ice. I said, there's something here. Took about a month, wrote the business model. And then I spent about a year, Dan, poking holes in it with every constituency that would touch this agents, players, uh, Bobby Orr, Mary Lemieux, Brian Trottier, my friends at the NBA, NHL, television network executives, ad agency executives to make sure I wasn't imagining things. And, uh, you know, after that, I said, okay, we've got something here and uh, full speed ahead. I have so much respect for you. I mean, we, we talk to folks all, all the time that are, you know, either creating a challenger league or, or, you know, trying to, to disrupt sports in some way, shape or form. And it's not easy. Um, you grew up in sports to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your experience, just trying to, to bring something new to, to a, uh, to this industry. Yeah. You know, sports is a, is a wonderful product. It is an experience. It brings fans together, communities, uh, it's entertainment and joy. And so I grew up in that space. My father played in the NHL. He coached, he general managed. Um, but you see the, opportunity um, there in the space to do something special, something more snackable. And if you don't have a hundred million dollar overhead, you can make something happen. It is, it's paramount that you have excellent product first and foremost, but if you've got something that is economically viable, there's a very good chance you can bring it to fruition. We've got it to a point now where we exist. The product is excellent. The television broadcast is excellent. And now we're just working through our business model to get to profitability. Uh, like all sports leagues, and like all businesses, you have a phase where you have to sort of incur losses and get to that point. But our graph does this a lot sooner than most uh, uh, businesses would or uh, sports leagues. And so you stick with it. You make sure you have excellent product. You make sure you have excellent people behind you. We have some great brands. Our coaches are all Hall of Famers, guys like Ray Bork and last year, Brian Trottier and Larry Murphy and Guy Carboneau and Grant Fuhrer. 
Um, so you make sure you have that for your, your credibility, your branding, but your expertise. And you have to rely on those folks when something doesn't go exactly how you thought, which happens all the time in business, which happens in any process. So good people, good brand, good product. And at the end of the day, you know, you just got to believe in yourself and, and muscle towards that target. Um, you know, you've been in that position, anybody out there that started anything and it can relate to business, but it can be any product uh, or any project. Mm-hmm. And you just got to believe in that and know that you can get to that place. And if you do, it'll be excellent. And that's our belief. And we've got several proofs of concept and several validations uh, uh, checked so far. So we feel good about where we are. Yeah, absolutely. And you should. So you keep using the the term snackable, which I love mm-hmm. because I think in in my opinion and, and based on, on data, we know that fans want snackable, exciting, fun, entertaining content. Um, first, if you could tell us a little bit uh, from a format perspective, how how you guys run the league so yep. that it is kind of a, a, a snackable experience. Yep. Uh, and then I'd love to talk about how you connect and, and interact with your fans to understand either, you know, how to improve it or, or how to validate, as you say, uh, why they love it today. Yeah. So, you know, we put everything through the, the prism of we think we are a phone first media company in the shape of a hockey league or a new school media company in the shape of a hockey league. And this device, you know, is is what we try and put everything through for our thinking standpoint. So our format is more snackable. So like a rugby sevens where you have two quick halves or a big three basketball, we have two eight minute periods of running clock. We have four teams show up this year at each one of our tour stops. It's a touring model going around the country. And we play two semifinals, one consolation game and a championship game in about two hours and 10 to 15 minutes. So just like a regular hockey game, which is about 2.30, our broadcast is two and a half hours. So we have a little bit of pregame, a little bit of postgame. But you go for eight minutes for your first period, a four-minute break, an eight-minute period. Then we Zamboni, and then we do it all over again three more times. We do that for our entire regular season. And then based on the point system that we've got, the top four teams will then go to our championships and play for what we call the Patrick Cup, uh, named after Craig Patrick. So the format is quicker, but then we've also added some things that we think are interesting. Uh, We play the puck live off the netting above the plexiglass. If it comes in clean, we play that. We do not have power plays. We do not go to four on three like they do in the NHL. We go straight to a penalty shot, and it's a jailbreak format where we put the puck at center ice, Everyone lines up in the blue line behind him and we chase him down as soon as he touches it. And it's live, just like soccer. It's yeah. fantastic. Guys have scored off the rebound. Guys have passed it and sent it to another guy. Uh, it's great. And um, we've done some other things like the NBA's uh, over and back rule. If you go into the offensive zone, you can't come out, loop around, kill time, get fresh legs on. That's boring hockey. We don't like that. Intentional icing, also a penalty. So if you try, try and take the heat out of a hot kitchen and not make a real hockey play, we blow the whistle, penalty shot. So it's quick. It's a lot of hockey and a lot of, a lot less time. And you've got this ability to watch a whole game in 16 minutes. So you can condense a game down on your phone and highlights in 90 seconds. You know, we have something called three ice in three minutes. It's one of our highlight shows. It's the entire tour stop in three minutes. And so, you know, everyone always talks about attention spans, which I think it's a little too much weight. The average attention span, I think, is something like nine and a half seconds for adults. So we're not really competing with that. But if you have the ability to come in and out of something like a golf broadcast or like a Formula One broadcast or NASCAR, where you can see some of the critical laps or a critical chunk of holes, you don't have to watch the whole thing and you can enjoy it. Uh, Also, you've got this ability to sort of touch the league, you know, as you alluded to. 
We want our fans helping us pick our cities, design our uniforms, uh, decide who gets the top uh, three stars of the night. We have a goal bonus, so we give out three grand for the best goal of the evening. Fans can vote on that. All of these things that allow our fans to touch and shape the game and put their thumbprint on it in ways that most leagues would either shy away from, could never do because they've got players' unions or associations that they have to uh, be careful Mm -hmm. of. Um, we can do things and innovate. You know, I like to say we're a speedboat, not an oil tanker. We can pivot and do really fun things like that. If we think it's a good idea, we'll do it. That's that's awesome. And the, the fan interaction component, giving uh, giving the fans the voice to to not only choose where you should play or, or who should play or who should win, who should be rewarded. Yeah, it's such an important part of fan engagement going forward. And there are some some, you know, early stage leagues or challenger leagues that are doing an amazing job of that. I also wonder, uh, one of the things I was so curious about is you, you've done a great job of bringing talent from, from the NHL, both on the coaching side and also on, on the athlete side, on the, yeah. on the player side, into, in, into your league. How much of, uh, of that is a, a driver of fans, right? Do they follow coaches and, and players to this, this new environment the same way they do in other sports? They do. Um, there's there's an interesting uh, white paper that was written by Angela Ruggiero, um, former Olympian, uh, U.S. Olympian hockey player. And it essentially talks about how home based geography loyalty will always trump everything. But because of out of market television packages, because of your phone, because of betting, there's ways to follow a person or a team or a league and get almost the same level of thinning. Not quite, but almost. And so that really matters for us to have brands. And so for us, our coaches, they're all Hall of Famers. That matters. That's credibility. But it also says to somebody, you know what? I used to watch that guy play. So I'm going to see how he does on this side of the bench. Uh, That's an interesting thing. From a a branding standpoint on the player side, we're about a third of our league is Mm ex-NHLers. Most of those guys are somewhere between 31 and about 35 or 36. Then our next chunk of guys are guys that have played in the AHL and all over the world, Sweden, Russia, you name it. And Mm -hmm. so they're about 25 to about 30. And then we got some young guns coming out of school. So there's a little bit for everybody. In a perfect world, I would probably have that exact mix with three or four guys that are big names. And we're working towards that. Uh, I'm throwing this out there. You know, a Phil Kessel, uh, a Jonathan Taves, um, a Jamie Benn. These guys are 34, 35. And if they want to step away from hockey or the NHL, but don't want to have to do an eight-month commitment every single day, but don't want to give up the game, we think we're going to get those guys. And so those brands will matter for us as well. We'll get there. We're not there today, but we've got some nice names on the NHL side. Paul Carey, Joe Whitney. Um, uh, you know, we had Brian Boyle on board, but his wife had twins this summer. And so he can't, he can't do it. He said, EJ, I'm in. He signed the contract. He said, I'm in, but I just can't do it. So um, we have some nice names now, and they're really electric on the ice. But brand matters, and and we're cognizant of that, and we'll get there. So Good players now, really great coaches, and we'll get some marquee names at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other, well, the other side of it is, uh, I mean, hockey's so interesting. I, I grew up uh, and, and worked with a number of guys who who played juniors, you know, who played in Canada, who went through college programs, um, and a couple were drafted, but it never, you know, never never panned out for them. Um, do you see yourself at some point, kind of as a as a funnel? as a funnel to the NHL where it's, it's given guys a, a podium that maybe didn't get that shot. Yeah, without question. So we know we're getting scouted. We've been told that by several folks, agencies, other leagues. So we've been a conduit to European leagues, guys that played in the mm-hmm. ECHL, which is sort of double a baseball to make mm-hmm. that analogy. 
Uh, they've gotten AHL contracts and they've gotten contracts over in Europe where they're getting paid high six figures, Finnish mm-hmm. league and Swedish league and Russian league. So we've had guys go and do that. Um, but yes, we think as the game in the NHL evolves and gets more opportunities for three on three and or four on four, there'll be a role for guys that can demonstrate great hands, quickness, a great release and high hockey IQ. And they'll be able to get their shot in the NHL, whether they stick around or not, who knows, but we like to say we're looking for sort of these Maseratis or Ferraris that can zip up and down the ice. Mm-hmm. And if you can score and if you can play, someone's going to come and say, Look, you know what, come to our camp, try out, see if you can make the squad. Now, sometimes those guys, unfortunately, are relegated to a checking role or a role on the team that doesn't play to their strengths. And that's really one of the challenges that they have. There's a guy that I like to point to, Connor Sheary. He's 5'8", 5'9". He was playing on the fourth line for the Pittsburgh Penguins and was checking, and he had probably no future in the NHL. A couple injuries, he gets bumped up to Sidney Crosby's line, and he lights it up, and he's yeah. had a 10-year career since. And that's the opportunity that we're giving these guys. Somebody's going to take a flyer on some of our guys in the NHL without question because we know it's happening in Europe now. Yeah, it's interesting. There's some parallels to the XFL there, uh, not only on like the, the coaching component, right, where they brought in some very – uh, well-known coaches, but sure. also giving guys that, that played good college ball and maybe would be put just into a practice squad or special teams environment um, on the field to go make a play. And I think you know, they had a really successful season this year. A bunch of guys signed contracts. Yeah. Um, very cool. Well, tell us a little bit about the future. So uh, you've got you've got to see. I mean, you're going to come to our area. You're going to be in Philly, and you're going to be up in Newark this year. So excited to get there. Yeah. Um, tell us about the future of the league. What's uh, what's this season look like? And then where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. So for us, we want to execute this year uh, at a high level. We thought we did a great job last year. We want to get better. We want to improve a little bit smarter, a little bit more efficient. But also, we've gone from six teams to eight teams, expanding there and giving the fans a a quicker experience, right? Mm-hmm. So last year with six teams showing up, it's about three hours of hockey, a little bit long. So you have eight teams now, four show up each week, play that bracket style tournament. Um, we just want to execute a really high level. We want to monetize the business, but eventually we're going to go to expansion. From day one, Dan, we've been thinking about our versions of brand extensions. So yep. for us, Three Ice Kids is an absolute no-brainer. Think Little League World Series. That for us is a one location, made for television event, It'd be wonderful to see the, you know, the best 12, 13, 14 year olds. It's not really about the skill. It's about the joy of the game at that level and turning it into a really fun product. We'll find our Williamsport. We're interviewing a bunch of cities now. Um, We also believe that there is a really viable version of three ice women as an opening act in our game. We've got the buildings, we've got the television networks, we've got the people, the infrastructure, everybody's in place. You can slot in the best women in the world and play two or four games in the hour before we drop the puck for three ice men. We think that's a no brainer. The uh, three ice world cup. So a made for television event, nation versus nation. We're talking to a group overseas right now. They own a team, they own a building, they're an investment group and they absolutely love what we're talking about. I don't want to name any names yet on that front. And then eventually we think there is an opportunity for a parallel league in Canada. So three ice Canada playing on a different day of the week. USA was what will rebrand our product eventually and then you can have a Champions League where the top two teams from the Canadian League play the top two teams from the American League in an extra weekend on Three Ice Kids weekend. And that's the future of our business. As a media company, we're yeah. building a library. That library gets to 100 plus hours a year of live programming plus some shoulder content. And it's, uh, it's a no brainer. Um, for us, we can get there and we can get there in a profitable way. We can, we can crawl, jog and then sprint with all of those uh, brand extensions. 
I love that. That's an amazing vision, uh, especially if you think about a, you know, youth hockey, right? That's a really, really fun experience to do the the three on three, introducing the women. There's some amazing women, female hockey players out there. Um, social media also kind of opens the door to to seeing these these stars at all different levels right. and in all different environments, and you could actually create uh, a, a central place to to put them on the big stage, which is awesome. And then the natural tie-in to to bring the world together around it, right? Hockey is an international sport, um, and then to put USA against Canada. I mean, a lot of logic there, right? Oh man, I'm excited for you. Uh, this is an this is an awesome adventure. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and you should be. Um, and, and I recommend everybody get out there and, and, and watch, uh, this year. So, um, that's awesome. Well, thank you, EJ. I, I have to ask the, the question that I, I ask everybody at the end of the podcast. Um, so you're, you know, you're building your own league, which means you're probably looking around at everything else that's being built in, sure. in sports outside of three ice, because I know that's, that's the favorite, um, is there anything else that you're really excited about? Either a challenger league that's coming from uh, from overseas and making its way into the states, or or something that's just getting started? Is there anything that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I track all of it. I'm, I'm a bit of a junkie. Um, yep. I'm a hockey junkie, but I'm also a sports junkie. And there's some really great leagues out there. So our favorite model is the Indian Premier League. For the fans out there that don't know, it's short form version of cricket. They've mm-hmm. got this format that they call T20. And like us, they're eight or nine weeks over the summertime, and they have a Indian league, a Sri Lankan league, a South African, an Australian. They're getting women's leagues now. It is an incredible model. I also really like this brand new seven-on-seven uh, soccer league by Gerard Piquet, the former FC Barcelona soccer mm. player. It's wonderful. They have looped in a – so they have a wonderful model. I won't get into it too much, but they've looped in social media influencers and celebrities in a way that is just so smart. They basically create a, a television booth for all these different folks to comment on the games on their own channels. And now you go from just your broadcast partner to all these other things. You take your feed and push it through there. It's a wonderful model. They've got great talent. They've got guys like Messi and uh, Neymar and, uh, you know, you name it, big guys around. But the influencers is a great tactic that they use. I, I really enjoy what they're doing there. And the product's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I like rugby sevens. I like big three. I like Formula E. Those are the most interesting, but um, the, the, the smartest brands out there are figuring out how to democratize their distribution mm-hmm. in a way that also allows traditional broadcasters to be part of the equation. And they're also to, you know, our point earlier, we were talking about uh, collect their own data and market to their fans directly. There's no substitute for knowing exactly who your audience is. Yeah. That's our product at the end of the day. When I, any league, when I'm marketing, I'm talking about my product to sponsors and distributors. You have to know exactly who those people are. And the smarter you are about that, the better you can partner with making this up, Pepsi, Gatorade, uh, Visa, and give them the best opportunity for them to succeed, for them to, to move product. And then also making sure you're telling the stories that these people are looking for, making sure you're selling, sending them things to sell them that they want and not annoying them inviting them into the tent to use this device to shape our league in the ways that they're interested in and not annoying them. Social media is an absolute gem of an an idea and a platform, but we have to use it the right way. Otherwise it can be annoying and destructive. Um, We've seen that in other businesses and and generally in society. So if you do it smartly, then you can find success and knowing who your customer is and knowing who you're speaking to, and then who you can then take into a pitch room 
is the most important thing that any business can have. You have to know your customer and collecting that data in the smartest ways possible is important for us. Yeah. So, I mean, to sum it up, the way I understand it is today you're, you're collecting fan data, you're understanding and listening to your fans in a very deep way, um, really to figure out who you should bring on board, where you should play, who you should reward and how you should improve the game. And while you're doing all of that, you're collecting the fan data that's going to enable the sponsors to connect with your with the right audience uh, in, in the right way through the, the right lens. That's right. That's right. I don't want to walk into Visa and, you know, making this up, say that my audience is left handed and it turns out that they're right handed. I'm wasting yep. their time and mine. So the smarter I am about that, I'll be more efficient with their time and, and deliver truly smart packages for my partners. And then, yep. of course, it's just better for my business so I can shape. There's there's data points you can pull out and then there's creative things that you can pull out from that. That's more more interesting to me. Right. The hardcore data is interesting. OK. But how can I then use that in ways that are more fun, more creative and outside the box thinking? I know it's an overused phrase, but do that in ways that makes things more exciting for everybody. That's that's what gets me jazzed about data. If you can have really smart people analyzing the smartest ways to use it, that's the home run. Yeah. And, and you know, we could go on about about this side of the business for forever. But the, the beauty of sports is that they're emotional. Right. Like you yes. don't have to try and create the emotion. That's right. emotion is inherent. It's in the story. It's in the product. That's um, right. And so connecting that to the brands is is the biggest opportunity, I believe, in, in the future of sponsorships and partnerships. And it's it's arguably easier uh, for you to do it because you're doing it as part of the foundation of the league. Yes. Um, then then trying to introduce you know something new to something that that historically you know, hasn't, hasn't looked at fans that way because they've just owned the podium. So, yeah, you know, stories are super, super powerful, right? I spent eight years in Hollywood and storytelling sports is inherently dramatic, right? You have yeah. an unknown outcome with beautiful mm -hmm. product being made, whether it's beautiful footy or basketball or hockey, you want to see that incredible stuff happening and that unknown outcome unfold in front of your real eyes. And then there's the human drama. It yep. lends itself so well to that. And, uh, you don't have to force it. And then you create the emotional connection to it, right? We've talked about the geography, mm -hmm. but the idea that somebody was an underdog or somebody got counted out and then wins and becomes a champion. And is there anything better than that? I mean, it's just so moving. It can, it can bring you to tears at, at some point. Yes. So, we saw it. We saw it on the PGA tour two weeks ago. That's right. right. With, with Michael Block. That's um, exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. What and a great story. And those stories are happening everywhere all the time. Um, and, and I would, I would bet that you're going to, you're going to tell a couple of those stories over the That's next right. Yeah. That's right. EJ, thank you so much. Congratulations on your success so far. And we're excited to see where you go. Um, just before we, we close it off, if you could list out, uh, where you guys are playing this year and how fans can watch, um, that would be awesome. Yeah. So we are on CBS sports network and big CBS here in the States in Canada. We're on TSN for English language and TVA sports for French language. And we're selling our rights all over the world right now. Um, I'll let you know where we are, but we're in, I think, five or six countries already. Um, 3 icecom is where you can go and get tickets. But uh, we start off in Pittsburgh. We end in Philadelphia for our championships. And we've got in the middle Hershey, Grand Rapids, uh, Boston, uh, just north of Nashville. And I feel like I'm forgetting one. Um, Newark. Newark. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're playing in the Devils building. We're playing in the Philadelphia Flyers building. We're playing the Hershey uh, Bears building. Boston's BU, 
Um, it's great. Um, we're, we're really excited. We've got a great mix of NHL, AHL, and college buildings that uh, sort of touches on all levels of the game. That's awesome. Well, EJ, thanks again for, for joining, and, and we're excited for you. Thank you. My pleasure.